0: Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. A couple of years ago in, uh, well, in 2019, a, a book was uh, published called Darwin's God, Evolution and the Problem of Evil. And it was written by a um, a person, Cornelius uh, Hunter. This uh, person was a... Um, Worked in the area of uh, biophysics, so he was quite uh, well versed with uh, the Darwin scenario, and he'd done quite a bit of research into uh, Darwin's life and um, and, and, Dar- and and Darwin's biography and and so forth, and and the views that were uh, around at that time about. Uh, science. And essentially what he uh, discovered was, and his view was, that when Darwin was putting his ideas together uh, to write his book on the origin of, um, of species and, uh, and propose uh, you know, the theory of evolution, he, prior to that, had actually been studying theology But one of the areas that had really concerned him was that the the whole uh, problem of evil and that God would punish evil people um, eternally, forever, that people would be punished forever. And this... Uh, and I think at one stage he, he points out that Darwin said, you know, who would, who would even want to believe in a God like that? Who would want to believe in a, in a God that, that punished people uh, forever, forever? And, I mean, forever is a long time. Forever is a huge amount of time. And that when you think about it, that represents a, a huge amount of, of suffering, I, I guess it's a, a, a reason that is used by many people f- today for rejecting religion. But it was interesting that, that Darwin was uh, concerned about this and it, it really troubled him. Now, the other thing, of course, is that um, Darwin thought that if, well, if a god, if a superintelligent god had, uh, had made the world, why would, um, you know, God have made things the way he did? And so he, you know, looked at uh, situations such as um, um, he viewed the, the world as being, you know, full of evil and like there were wasps that laid eggs inside caterpillars and, and um, he, he thought, well, that must be an excruciating egg and slow death. Uh, and then there's all this waste from unhatched eggs and excess pollen and, and so forth. And um, then there was the behaviour of uh, animals that uh, kill and eat each other. And we see these... Um, issues often being brought up in nature documentaries today too. I know quite a few nature documentaries that um, I've seen on television seem to emphasise and, and the photographers focus on the, um, the, you know, one animal hunting and killing another and the, you know, portraying this as a, a terrible situation. And so why would um, God do it this way? Um, Darwin um, also cited that um, in, in, uh, I mean, uh, Hunter also points out that Darwin, for example, um, and the book was by, as I said, Cornelius Hunter. uh, Hunter pointed out that, um, you know, Darwin, for example, cited I think was in uh, chapter 14 of his book Origin of Species that, um, you know, there were birds that had web speed and spent, Relatively little time in the water. Why would God design such a, a creature? What was the point of the web feet? And of course, other people have often um, pointed out, you know, supposed uh, flaws. You know, perhaps uh, you know people have discussed, you know, why is the eye arranged the the way it is, and and so forth, and uh, the thumb of the panda bear, and uh, which uh, you know the late. Um, uh, Uh, geologist Stephen J. Gould uh, pointed out in in his book. And so um, in terms of all this evil, why would God design all these scenarios? Why was there so much waste? Why was there so much pain and suffering? And so essentially Darwin, it would seem, argued to himself and others and we concluded, I guess, that nature can't be the result of God's direct design. And um, he, you know, Darwin suggested, well, maybe God, you know, did breathe in the original uh, breath of the first living creature because Darwin offers no explanation, of course, as to how life started. And then, you know, nature did the rest. So the the bottom line that comes from this is that nature has no moral imperative. And, um, and it, it's interesting then that Darwin decided from this that then there was essentially no moral Im- imperative then for man. And we can see that this line of thought that arose from Darwin's uh, thinking um, and rejecting God, that why was there a God either that... Um, if people didn't you know, do as he said, um, they were tortured forever in hell and or else, um, you know, why did God design things with all these flaws and allow all this, this evil? And so the conclusion was, of course, the, and, and Darwin provided this, provided this mechanical model to explain life on Earth through uh, supposed mutations that produced all these new types of creatures and their natural selection, um, uh, survival of the fittest. Again, when you think about it, it's a very cruel uh, way of uh, eliminating uh, things, survival of the fittest, and that led to this perhaps moral view that, again, um The idea is that there is no sense of morality. People uh, can act out of impulse and necessity. And it's interesting as I look around and see the changes in in the world that has taken place, particularly as Darwin's theory of evolution has become more dominant in our education system, and in my view, as I as I look back over, you know, from the, the past seventy or so years that I can remember back, um, the change in the number of people attending church. Where when I was a, a small boy, most people went to church um, in Western countries. My understanding is um, we had. Uh, you know, religion, the stories of Jesus and so forth were taught in school. And um, it was um, a society that I, I felt was very safe in. Um, just a couple of days ago, I was um, at a, a, a museum museum type of place, um, Timber Town in um new south wales where and there were pictures there of what you know life was was like and while life was was harsher, there was a sense of um you know community and support you know children felt safe i mean even when I was a child, we walked to and from school you know perhaps a, a mile or so um knew lots of other children that did that they were relatively safe whereas today um you know, people are very afraid um, of their children walking down the street by themselves and, uh, and, you know, parents go to a lot of trouble to make sure that there's a parent or relative that is there to pick the child up from school or meet the school bus, this sort of thing. You know, there are so many a- aspects that, um, I, you know, I think I was just uh, reading about one of the, the things that were taught in, in, in the schools that the children came, they were very respectful to the teacher, there was this teaching of um, of, of respect, um, and you certainly wouldn't speak back to a teacher. Whereas, as I talk to many teachers today um, about um, you know the major problems in in the school of, of of no discipline, of of children swearing and speaking back at teachers, and not doing as they're told, of, of fighting, of bullying, and in schools, it's it's very different to um, you know to what I uh, remember, um, and also we've seen associated with this the the, the breakdown in in marriage. Um, I was only talking uh, with this uh, with with a friend a, a couple of days ago, and um, uh, this person um, has a, a very senior position in um, a government education department. Uh, looking um, in, in terms of managing uh, staff that are managing children with problems and pointed out the number of children that are growing up in a home where there is no father or the father's in jail uh, and the mother is on drugs. Um, and uh, the the terrible situation that these children are in, well, I knew very little situations like that um, when I was a boy, so I can see there's, there's massive changes in society as people have turned away from, from God. Um, but and again, I think how how justifiable is this? And maybe we could uh, could look at uh, some of these uh, things. So I know that many church, many Christian churches today teach this concept of eternal punishment. And I know there are uh, texts in the in the Bible that, um, uh, when you look at just the uh, the reading, uh, the way uh, it's um, it, it's read, it talks about and they will be punished forever and ever, sort of thing. Uh, but my understanding is that these were sort of phrases that were were used that just represented uh, something that was um, eternal. Um, for, forever, but not punishment forever. But it's just that they would perish forever. Um, and and I think some of the texts that that counter this are, if we look at the words of Jesus himself in in John three sixteen. I'll just um, you know open the Bible here now, um, and we read this very important verse uh, here as John comments um, from what Jesus taught in John chapter 3 verse 16 says for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life but notice that not perish and something perishes it's ended it's finished Um, and here we have the picture of a loving God that doesn't want that to happen A, a loving God who himself Suffered to draw attention to the consequences of sin, suffered on the on the cross publicly, to draw attention to that, and to point out the fact that that's how far God was wanting to go to save us from missing out on eternal life and having that relationship with Him. So as I read through the Bible, the whole Bible seems to be this account of how God is calling out and trying to reach people who have turned away from him. And I, I guess another thing is we, you know, we talk about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah because of the evil that was going on in, in Sodom and Gomorrah. And um, it's, uh, it's interesting there's a, a passage in Jude, in the Bible, in Jude um, chapter 1, well there's only one chapter in Jude, verse 7, where um, Jude points out that Sodom and Gomorrah, and the surrounding cities, which likewise lacked it immorally and indulged in unnatural lust, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Now, the thing is, as we read this here, we know, and of course Jude would have known too, it went because that was you know written after the death of Christ that Sodom and Gomorrah didn't exist anymore. They were gone. So there's no eternal fire there. And we know that the fire that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah came down. It was from God, from God who is eternal, and it destroyed them. And so it, it seems that these are expressions that God will um, destroy um, the, the wicked the people that reject him, the people that destroy the earth. Uh, There's another um, passage um, in uh, Revelation chapter 11. I'll just open it um, here now, uh, quickly right at the end of Revelation chapter 11. And it talks about um, the nation's rage, but thy wrath came and the time for the dead to be judged for rewarding thy servants the prophets and saints, and those who fear thy name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. And so I think that paints really just in a a simple verse that's in um, uh, the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, um, and in chapter 11, verse 18. I'll just read again. The nations raged, but thy wrath came. And the time for the dead to be judged, for rewarding thy servants, the prophets and saints, and for those who fear thy name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. And I think to me that, that summarises a whole lot of uh, things. We know as we read the, the Bible that sin came into the earth and uh, sin entered uh, the earth. There was an adversary, there was a war, there was a, a being that was opposed to God and he came out to, um, to get at God by destroying and uh, as much as he could of the little paradise that God had created here on earth and and us humans who were made by God in his image as a people that um, as, uh, as beings that were to have a special relationship with God. And we have that picture that God that this um, evil adversary who wanted to be like God, who wanted to be in control of all the universes and everything, um, uh, came uh, to this little earth and got a foothold in there, tempted Eve, and that through that uh, evil spread throughout the throughout the world, but the message of the Bible seems quite clear that God is going to put an end to this, put an end to the evil. That if we read in Revelation and in many places in the books of I, uh, Book of Isaiah and so forth, that God is going to recreate the world again, and those people that choose. Um, to, to be good they want to be good people they want to be with God um, they will be recreated again and that's the eternal life that, that God promises and those other folk um, that uh, reject God they, they perish they don't suffer forever and so it's just a, a way but the, um, I guess the, um, the destruction is forever it's not, it's not the the point. Is not that they're suffering forever. The point is that it's final. When they're destroyed, it is forever. Um, and mind you, that's not that far different from the atheist view of life. When you think about it, the atheist view of life, is that we somehow evolved. We've somehow reached uh, the state um, of evolution where we are now as as humans. And we live for a little while here as human and then we die and that's the end. And essentially that's not far wrong from from God's picture except that there there is a judgment where everyone has the opportunity to see that God was real. So it's interesting and I find it very interesting that it was this misconception of what God was like that has led to this uh, theory of evolution, that at this view of Darwin that he couldn't see the love of God in scriptures, he couldn't see the beauty of God in nature, which is what I see. I, I see so much beauty in nature. I see, and I also see so much beauty in humanity. I see people doing so much acts of kindness and self-sacrifice um, of helping others, of of um, going out of their way to help and show kindness, and and um, uh, and we see so much account of that where where an, a, a disaster does happen and people respond and and work so hard to try and alleviate the disaster to to rescue uh, people. Um, you know, scientists and doctors work so hard to develop new medicines and and these sort of things, but at the same time, we see people fighting and killing. We read about domestic violence, the massive increase in domestic violence. We read about the massive increase in the consumption of alcohol, particularly during the COVID nineteen um, crisis, as as people turn to alcohol for help. But then just yesterday in um, the uh, major uh, Sydney newspaper, the Sydney Morning Herald, I read this article about how alcohol, the increased consumption of alcohol, had promoted increased domestic violence um, throughout our country. And I'm sure that's the case in many other countries as well. We, We know, we have the statistics that, now, the domestic violence is fifteen times higher in households where um, the father or husband is, or a, a, a person is often drunk, and we we see these really bad things that are hap- happening, and um, and this is a you know a huge contrast there. So we can see there's a contrast, a definite contrast between good and evil, but we can. Look and see the evil, and the Bible explains the origin of this evil, and it, it makes so much sense. So much of the Bible makes sense, and I thought it's really revealing in Hunter's book, uh, Darwin's God, Evolution, and the Problem of Evil, that Hunter, ex, you know, points this out. He's done the research through um, the, Darwin's biography and the, the background of the time when Darwin uh, lived. Um, and people were looking for an excuse to get away from this God that was going to punish people eternally. Well, that's not the picture I get from the Bible. But unfortunately, I see that many, I think, Christian churches teach this, that the creator God, the God that created all this beauty and the whole concept of love um, that that we have and that we can have for one another, that this God, same God, would consciously have people punished forever, forever. No respite, no end to it. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit the description in the Bible. And those few passages where it just talk about there, I think we'll find, uh, and, uh, and I've had it explained to me, they were figures of speech at the time, just like we talk about rains cats and dogs. Well, it doesn't actually rain cats and dogs. And we know it doesn't rain cats and dogs. It just means it's raining heavy. And there are lots of, you know, very heavy rain. And we know that there are, are lots of expressions like that um, in language that are used, but when we look at the overall picture and context, we can see that it. Um, and as um, you know, John points out, it's just that God doesn't want us to perish. In other words, die. When something perishes, it's the end of it. It's it's not alive. It doesn't feel it. It's totally broken up and just destroyed. And that's what happens at the at the end too. Uh, of those that choose to not follow Jesus. And that's why it's so important to spread this good news. And I think that it's so important too for, uh, for people that are listening to this program, if you have an image of, of God, that, you know, God, if, um, you know, if I don't follow God, I'm going to be destroyed for, forever, that's, that's not God. That's not the true God. And I would really encourage you to read your Bible through, to read the Bible through and get the picture of God and and see the picture that God all the time is trying to go out of his way to call people back to him. He doesn't want to have people suffering forever. He wants to put an end to suffering and pain. He wants to have people um, enjoying a wonderful relationship with him and and living in lives that are, are pleasurable. And that's why the original Garden of Eden was called the Garden of Pleasure. And I find it fascinating that the theory of evolution was developed because of this wrong image of God that Darwin and other people at the time had this wrong image of God that was being taught by the Christian church at that time uh, many of the Christian churches and this is a totally wrong picture of God and I think it's so important to spread this news that God is a God of love we read in in um, first John chapter 4 God is love And we read then in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 where Paul describes what love is really like. Love is self-sacrificing. And these are the pictures of what God is like. God shows us what he is like through the life of Jesus, the compassion that he had. This is the picture of God that we need to take to the world. And it's very interesting that the evolutionary model that has led to... um, uh, you know, and supported such ideologies as Marxism and and so forth that that in itself has led to the massive you know destruction of people that didn't comply. And I find it quite fascinating today that people that um, there are certain topics that you can't speak out on. Um, you know, and evolution is one you can't criticise evolution uh, now, or you know you really sort of called names. Um, and yet, this is a uh, the theory itself, as I've pointed out in many times on uh, this program, is no is not supported by science anymore. And really, the the whole theory that concept that mutations can produce new body parts um, is is totally impossible. the The evolution cannot uh, produce new body parts. Sure, evolution can produce changes, and we can have loss of the code that produces changes, um, but we can't produce anything new. So the the whole concept of Darwin's theory now fails in terms of science, and yet it persists to be taught. It's just an atheistic theory. So, and so important that uh, the message gets out to people that God is a God of love. And I would like to encourage everybody listening on your Facebook pages, you know, to talk about this and to spread the word that God is love and also spread the word about these programs and the programs that are on 3ABN television, that are on 3ABN radio, um, that are emphasising this. And remember, if you want to re-listen to this program, you just Google... um, 3 abnaustraliaorgau and click on the listen button. And also too, uh, I put out a book, um, The Big Argument, Does God Exist? And in this book, there um, the whole issue of the problem of evil is dealt with in uh, one of the chapters by um, a top theologian. You've been listening to Faith and Science. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.